Hey guys, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. My name is Nick Ferry. You can find me at nickferry.com and I'm joined by a couple of my friends here. April Wilkerson, you can find her at wilkerdoos.com. How's it going, April? Oh, good. Thank. Hello, everyone. And I'm joined as well with by yeah, with <laughs> Jay Bates. You can find him at jayscustomcreations.com. How's it going, Jay? Pretty good. How you doing? I'm not doing too bad at all. And if you guys want to keep up with everything, you can uh, find the podcast over at thewoodworkingpodcast.com. And that pretty much sounded as scripted as scripted gets, does it not? Yeah, you want to jump do it again? <laughs> no, I think we should roll with it. Yeah. I think, <laughs> Why not? I think, I think you're uh, getting it down. It's just hard to make sure to hit all the all the high points that I need to hit. And yeah. The high points. But anyways. High points yeah. like, hey, and hello, and how you guys doing? <laughs> this and, is and April, welcome. and this is Jay. <laughs> and, and welcome, folks. <laughs> yeah, hey, folks. Hey, folks. All Jay? right. Well, yeah, Jay, do you want to talk about the uh, new contributors? Yeah, we have a uh, very nice contribution from Jim Hall since the last time we spoke, and uh, thank you very much for your contribution. If you'd like to help support the show, we do have a contribution button on the sidebar of the website. Uh, that's the woodworkingpodcast.com. And all of the uh, support and contributions is very much appreciated and really helps keep this ball going. So thank you very much for all of that. There you go. That didn't sound scripted at all. No, not at all. <laughs> Jay's a pro. There you go. Nick, what do you got going on in your shop? Um, I just, uh, well, you know, this will be out, what, Friday. So I just released a, uh, a video on turning styrofoam, EPS foam, into cinder block. It looks like a, uh, like a cinder block wall. I've been doing that for a number of years in theater. Um, you know, trying to make, you know, foam look like brick. And, uh, I just, I get an email, I'd say one or two a week asking about that. Cause I had a, a video on building a, uh, Shrek tower for a musical and people were asking for a more in depth on how to do it. So I figured no better time than the present. So that's what I did. I'm always fascinated by that. Yeah. That technique is so crazy. Like when you first showed it us, it's just, it seems super simple. I imagine it takes a little bit of getting used to whatever to do it, but, uh, the results are just, it's just, it's just awesome. Yeah, it is. I like anything to deal with like prop building. I just think that all of the tricks and uh, using this instead of that, I just think it's really interesting. Yeah, it is. And oddly enough, it is super simple. But when I was taping my outro, I always end up with a few bloopers and I had to cut the one because uh, it just made me sound pretty much like a, like an a-hole. And I, <laughs> I basically said, I basically said, um, you know, this is so simple to do. If you can't do it, then you pretty much got to give up at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was in a matter of words, though. But I mean, it's basically carving some grooves and then taking a heat gun and just melting it, you know, in sporadic areas and stuff. So, um, no, it is super simple and hopefully people enjoy the video. So that's going to be out on Friday? That will be out, yeah, on Friday. Cool. What about you, Jay? Um, this weekend, I have a um, <clears throat> a lathe cart video uh, from when Matt Lane was here in the shop. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We got the lathe cart and then some uh, some tool holders, which we did it in two different days, and we, we kind of thought of it thought of the holders after we did the cart. So technically speaking, it's kind of like two videos, but they go hand in hand. So I don't know if I'll combine them or not. Um, but I got to get that uh, the the video edited, which shouldn't take long, and then um, article and all that stuff. But this week, <clears throat> excuse me, this week's been pretty busy with, with non-online um, content stuff. I have, well, two people in the shop so far. Tomorrow I've got one, one other person. So Tuesday, a good friend of mine, Wayne Brown, he lives in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, hey, down, Wayne. I know Wayne. Yeah, Wayne. He sent you a glue bot, I think. And my uh, bench dog, Push Blocks. Or didn't you call it a glue boot? Glue boot. Oh, no, I call it a glue boot. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Wayne, he's, he's a really cool dude. Um, met him through this whole online thing. And I've uh, been to his shop a couple times. He's been to mine a couple times. We turned, uh, turned a couple things on the lathe. His, his first pen, um, an LSU-themed pen. It was Purple Heart and Yellow Heart. And he's he actually he's building my workbench right now. And he glued up, the, uh, glued up a slab for turning the leg vice hub and it's an alternation of purple heart, yellow heart, purple heart, yellow heart. So he's going to have a full-blown LSU leg vice here soon, which is going to be pretty Oh, neat. that's amazing. Um, but unfortunately, he doesn't make videos, huh? So we're not going to be able to see that. 
uh, we, we might we might make a video and throw it on my channel or something, you know. Um, that, that would be, be really cool. That would be actually really cool. He won't be here till next Tuesday to finish that project. So I actually may run that by him. That'd be pretty neat. Yeah, um, I mean, because think about all the different colors that, I mean, even if they don't make a wood that comes in the colors, I bet a lot of sports fans could get on board with kind of doing things around their shop by maybe staining the wood and then turning it. I love that idea. Yeah, different uh, different wood species, get different... different um, Colors. Uh, sports themes, colors. Yeah, I made a, mm -hmm. uh, a couple years back, I made a set of salt and pepper shakers that were, they were all poplar, but I used some really nice white poplar areas and then, or it might have been maple, I'm not exactly sure, but for the green, I used like the darkest, dark, dark, just forest green from a couple poplar pieces and it looked just like a MSU Michigan State Spartan set and it was like, you know, happy accent, it looked great. <laughs> That's awesome. That is cool. I hope that spawns more people wanting to, um, you know, use sports teams in, in their woodworking. I think that'd be super cool. And, and with all the dyes and tints and stain available, you know, I think that you could pretty much get any color you want. Like you said, if you start out with like a real white wood, mm -hmm. almost, I mean, like a holly. I mean, if, pe if people have holly near them, that's, that's super white. So yeah, there's a, there, I mean, there's a color that will fit just, or there's species that will fit for just about anything. Like just thinking off the top of my head, um, like a hard maple and sapili would be for anything that's like maroon and white, like MS, uh, Mississippi State University or like Alabama or something like that. What about uh, orange? Orange, Osage orange or Paduke. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. So I didn't realize that there were the yellow or reds until I saw Lynn's latest video to where she turned those cheese knives. I was shocked at how br brilliant some of those colors were. Yeah. So I think that's really neat. Yeah, it, it just opens up the door for a lot of possibilities. And small stuff on the lathe, like... So I, I got this lathe in Atlanta this past um, beginning of April, so less than a month now, and it like really opens my door to holding on to all these little small, small little pieces and offcuts and all the stuff that you otherwise in traditional like flat work, I guess you could call it, um, wouldn't really be of much value. Uh, but all this, all these my small scrap pieces are all, all finding their way into pen blanks. So now it's going to be harder and harder to throw away stuff. Like it's already difficult for, enough for me to throw away scraps. But now <laughs> I can imagine once you get into turning, it just becomes even more difficult because you're thinking, oh, there's something small out there I could turn this into. Absolutely. Exactly. And I, Jay, just as a suggestion, I would say leave that as two videos just because, you know, the cart is obviously a standalone piece, but people might already have the lathe on a bench and then maybe they just want to see a tool holder for, you know, for the lathe tools. Yeah. Plus, being ahead is always a good thing. Being ahead, yeah. 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 I'm. Uh, I don't know what. Th I don't know what that feels like. So hopefully someday. <laughs> hey, me too. That's actually what I've been working on this week. This weekend, last week, I've been working my butt off to try to get a few projects ahead. I've put everything else on the back burner and only been focusing on knocking out as many projects as possible. And right now, I am. This is like a unique position for me, but I'm four projects ahead. Nice. Well, three. Three, if you include, because one's coming up on uh, on Sunday. But yeah, I'm very happy. <laughs> now, being four projects ahead. Now, I consider four projects ahead, meaning the project themselves is done and they are recorded, but I have not done the video editing and article. That's what I'll still consider ahead. Is that where you're at? That's where I'm at. The project is the, the, the time-consuming part. I mean, the editing I can do in a day, the website article in another day. So what, I'll, what I've done is... I have four projects completed at this point, and actually, I've rough edited this Sunday's video, and then I've completely edited one of these shorter videos, this, this uh, hair stick one. I ended up turning, a, just to run through them all, I have a, a hair stick that I ended up turning, which is a decorated stick for my hair, um, tore down all the sheetrock in Cody's garage on his ceiling, because we had the chance to get free insulation, so I tore all that down and uh, replaced it with OSB. And then uh, Mother's Day gift is just a simple uh, birdhouse build. And then I piped my garage or my uh, my shop for air. So that way I can hook up my 60-gallon air compressor. So I put it in a few outlets and uh, a reel and yes. <laughs> <laughs> Make it convenient and you'll use it. My air compressor is not convenient, so I never mm. use it. Very, very, very barely ever use it i mostly use my air compressor for checking tire pressures in my car that's about it my truck okay well, you should you should use a tire gauge for that <laughs> well i mean you know obviously filling it back <laughs> obviously up. so but no uh, well, i was just gonna nick you you take the floor <laughs> no i was i was just gonna say that i i totally agree with the if it's not you know accessible 
um, you're typically not going to use it. And that's, you know, like I said, with mine, it's super accessible and I use it all the time. Pretty much every day I'm in the shop, I use the air. So, Well, I actually have a, a 60 gallon air compressor that I've had uh, for a really long time. It's actually my husband's and I just kind of stole it. <laughs> well, <laughs> about two years ago, I blew a head gasket on it and I just haven't fixed it. So I've stopped using it. Oh, and also another thing was that my shop had PVC used for the the piping. And it was just from the previous owner who did that. And somebody left me a comment or actually sent me an email letting me know that it was a really unsafe method and that it was that you shouldn't use PVC. So I stopped using it and just never made the time to fix it. So I've been toting around my little two gallon one and that thing's just so noisy and, and I just hate having to move it around everywhere. So um, it's on the other side of my shop wall where my dust collector is. So it's going to be super convenient. I have a hose reel installed and then three outlets I installed. So try to think of everything. Very cool. That way it's, it's always close to whatever project you're working on. Yeah. And I also installed an FRL so I can, uh, change the, the pressure just right there on my wall as well. Instead of having to walk around. Are you going to lubricate the entire line then? Yeah. Oh, okay. What I is- just, I, I, uh, filter regulator lubricator is what it is. It filters um, the air to k- get out the moisture. Then you can regulate the pressure. And then it also throw- picks up a little bit of oil just so you don't have to maintain your tools or that it's easier to maintain them. Well, I was just going to say with the uh, with the lubricator, um, you might want to reconsider that just because if you ever go to spray a finish and everything that you've used you know, t- up until that point has had oil run through it, it, it can wreak havoc on the finish. Mm. Let me think. Okay, so what's the way around that? It- to not run it through the entire line? Because uh, right yeah, now, I, as soon as it comes out of the compressor, it goes into it. No, I mean, granted, too, you're, you're dealing with, uh, you know, with a 60-gallon, it's not an oilless air compressor. That's an oiled air compressor. So there's going to be latent traces of oil in the actual air itself versus, say, an oilless, you know, smaller air compressor. But, uh, you know, you can get filters. I know, I know a lot of people will filter for water uh, if they're spraying, you know, like a... Um, a water separator and stuff, but I would I would just say you know um, I don't know I I don't ever lubricate the entire line I always just lubricate at the tool and it's typically any type of you know um, air vein type tool whether it's an impact air ratchet die grinder angle grinder stuff like that I just a couple drops of oil before I use it and off to the races. Nick, I've installed it. I'm gonna use it. <laughs> well, there you go. I, I guess what I'll do because I actually have a, a 15 gallon air compressor as well. Um, so maybe if I ever get a, a pneumatic sprayer, I'll just switch to using that one and it's on wheels. So in it, with a little like dolly cart built onto it, so it's easy to move around, but I'm glad that you brought that up cause it's something I wouldn't have thought about. Yeah. I mean, it's just food for thought too. I mean, even if you put the, uh, the lubricator at, you know, one trunk of the system, I can't, um, the FRL is one unit. Well, a lot of times they can separate because that's what I actually used to do for a living. It depends on the model, but I'm just saying if you put it at one trunk um, and then you come off a different trunk, like a Y connection or whatever, yeah. and then say for you know an air hose, maybe you have all black air hoses in your shop and then you buy a bright orange one and you just know that that orange one is for spraying. It's never seen any type of lubricant run through it. Yeah, I love that. Unfortunately, the model that I have definitely doesn't come apart, but I could always look into a different one. Again, just a great suggestion. I was going to ask, I've never had a full system lubrication set up like that with my air hose. Um, I've always, like Nick said, just a little couple drops of oil in the gun or whatever as, as you go. But wouldn't you be able to <clears throat> set up a, um, a filter system to just clip in line and then use a specific hose that doesn't get used for oil tools and use it for spraying? Wouldn't the filter... Yeah, that's, a, that's what I was getting at with yeah. the, you know, a different... You know, a different. And see, it's funny... Oh, sorry. I was just... I was just, well, just going to say it's, it's funny that because uh, when I used to wrench on cars, everything was pneumatic. So uh, one of the jokes you'd play around the shop is rather than two or three drops of oil in a guy's you know, air ratchet, you'd put like you know, a couple teaspoons of it in. And as soon as he'd plug it up, there'd be an oil cloud all over. So, yeah. But that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's always pranks to be played in shops, I tell you. <laughs> Safe pranks. Yeah, sometimes my husband, he goes out and he does the uh, chuck on my drill press all the way to open. So I have to sit there and, and close it back up. And <laughs> it drives me nuts. <laughs> the most popular one when I worked in manufacturing, we all had um, uh, propane or LP uh, fork trucks. And uh, we would turn the, the, fork, or the propane off at the tank with the main valve. And so they'd get another good five minutes of fork truck time. 
and all of a sudden the thing would die and then they'd have to go get somebody from maintenance and just completely forget like, oh, hey, somebody turned off the gas while I was driving by. <laughs> so, Jay, you still uh, you still had a couple upcoming projects you wanted to talk about, huh? Yeah, I, um, well, real quick, I, so yesterday Wayne was in the shop. Today, Tom Frone, a guy from uh, um, Jet and Powermatic I met at the Atlanta Woodworking Show, uh, just stopped by, not as a business, any anything kind of thing. He just stopped by as a fellow woodworker driving through and, and uh, talking shop for a little bit. But he was here for a couple hours. That was pretty cool. And then tomorrow, Sean Stone from Stone & Sons Woodworking. He's um, like uh, 45 minutes, half hour east of me, something like that. And he uh, just bought a new camera for his YouTube channel, uh, which is two versions, three versions newer of the same camera that I have. So he's going to come over and uh, we're going to uh, go through some camera stuff. And uh, I also got a dedicated, a nice bench grinder for sharpening just about everything in the shop. And he's bringing his lathe tools over. We're going to have some fun doing that. Uh, so this is going to be a busy week of non non-business stuff but still being you know just having fun shop time which is always cool but upcoming project ideas like i said i've got three more three or four more um on the computer ready to edit but i do have this uh, i got a rikon slow speed grinder with cbn wheels i got it like the uh, first week of this month and i just now got around to putting it together um and it's set up for the lathe tools well i don't have a place for it and I also want to build an air cleaner because the lathe is ridiculous with throwing dust everywhere. Uh, so I'm thinking about making a floor standing air cleaner cart. So it's like a, what I'm picturing in my head is like a 20 by 20 square and the motor is on the bottom of this cart and then all four sides come up and right below the platform of whatever tool you put on top, you have four sides to put four filters all the way around this thing and then just use the top as a grinder stand so i think i think i might do something with that um that's yeah. smart i remember you talking about it's almost like a dyson tall fan or something for filtering the air but then utilizing it as a stand for something that's a great idea yeah kind of killed two birds with one stone without having like a because my other option would be to make like a flip top cart because i am running out of space big time but something about flipping around like my my dewalt planer that's 92 pounds i really don't want to move that just let it sit there i don't really feel like flipping it around that's me too people always suggest the flip top and even though i'm i love conserving space i just nothing about a flip top appeals to me i just i just totally thought of this and this has nothing to do with woodworking but i think it's kind of funny <laughs> but do you, um, sean stone i got to meet him when i visited you and uh, i also went to visit uh, sean in his shop which was cool um but do you know if he's interested in like skeet shooting at all Skate shooting. I would. Uh, I have no clue. Absolutely no clue. To be honest with you. Because just imagine the t-shirt potential there with with a picture of him skeet shooting. You could t- kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> 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 I'll run that by him tomorrow. All right. Well, no, I wanted to comment on the the grinder cart that you had. Uh, um, that's a pretty good idea to have it separate too, because grinders are messy. They're inherently messy. And my old shop, I don't have this anymore, but my, I had a buffing cart because anyone that's any, buffed any type of metal, you realize like the black, you know, paste that it shoots off. And that is just, just an absolute atrocious mess. And I had this cart that was three-sided, had a back, two sides, and then the buffer was kind of in the middle. So that way all the paste that it shot off, it was just hitting the, the back rather than the wall and getting all over the, the shop, you know? Oh, yeah. So, so Kevin Miller, the guy who... Uh gave me this lathe that I have also gave me like a five gallon bucket full of lathe tools. And, um, it's just, it's just nuts. But <clears throat> so I got the lathe set up and of course, or not the lathe set up, the grinder set up to sharpen the tools. And of course, anytime you get a new sharpener, you got to sharpen everything in sight, you know, <laughs> I, me anyway. Yep. So, and being, you mentioned, being, you mentioned Kevin Miller, I just want to give a shout out and a kind of a thank you to him because, um, super gracious guy, this, this community really rocks, but I got to hang out with him quite a bit at, uh, the woodworking show in Atlanta and he actually bought myself um, and Steve Carmichael dinner and he actually even paid for my wife's dinner because he said well she's been in a couple videos so I gotta buy her dinner <laughs> that's awesome Did they, Kevin's, yeah, Kevin's a cool. really really cool dude I think yep. um, I think a bunch of us he mentioned uh, having a, a barbecue uh, the next time uh, in, in September the what is it the wood um, I'm going blank WIA. WIA, yeah. Woodworking in America is yeah. going to be in, in Cincinnati, and he's relatively close or lives right outside of Cincinnati, and a bunch of us are going to go uh, hang out in his place for a little bit, I believe. 
Uh, but yeah, super, super cool dude. So I got all the, the tools that he gave me together and, and I started sharpening all of them and I'm, and then sharpened a couple of my crappy chisels and got them the bevel reground and all that. And next thing you know, I looked down at my assembly table and I put it right in the middle of my assembly table, uh, of course on the edge. And there's like a three foot radius of black all the way around this thing. Yeah. Like, oh no, we got to do something about this. That ain't mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, that's why I figured you were mentioning that you're gonna have a, a cart because, yeah, both grinding and buffing were always kind of my, I guess my kryptonite in the shop because they're soup. They get super messy in a hurry, but they're harder than heck to clean up. Like that rouge and stuff used for buffing, it's pretty much stuck on there, and you're you're pretty much done. Game over. Well, I wasn't buffing anything. I was just uh, sanding down some copper. With some 220 grit and same thing, just black dust everywhere, over all over my hands and all over my workbench. So I guess it's just, it's just inevitable. That's a hard word yeah. to say, inevitable. 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 Yeah, I messed it up again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what were, you, what were you using the copper for? I'm making for my mom's birdhouse. I made this birdhouse, apparently. I, I'm told I did <laughs> whenever I was six and my brother was eight. Um, we made her a birdhouse uh, with the help of a family friend. And she's had it all these years. I'm 28 now, so it's been around what 12 years. And um, now, is this birdhouse? Is it a one bedroom studio or is it like a five story mansion? It's a it's a it's five birdhouses on one platform. So I guess <laughs> nice. it's a mansion. <laughs> but anyways, the roofs are made out of copper. And my mom says, "Please remake this for me because it's falling apart." But uh, it took me three years for that shiny copper to patina so please uh keep the roofs and i looked at the roofs and they're just all broken and bent and i said there's no way i can keep these and so i ended up having to buy new copper and i said i'll just figure out how to patina them myself and it's turned into quite an ordeal to be honest it's first off i went to the big box store because i was like you know i could have sworn i saw sheets of copper sold there and sure enough, they, they had them. So I pulled four, cut them at the table saw to the size I needed. And then I looked online up for patina recipes. And I mean, there's just so many different ways to patina copper, depending on the color and everything. So I try, I try something, it didn't work. I try something else, it didn't work. I tried something else. On the fourth time, I'm pulling out my hair thinking, what the heck am I doing wrong? I go to the big box store. And of course, I'm friends with uh, some of the employees up there. And they were like, oh, well, that's aluminum. It's just colored copper. And I'm like, oh, so after spending like four different trial and errors, I'm like, no wonder. So that's actually, so I have to go into the next town over, grab some copper sheets. And I called them and I was like, is it real copper? (laughs) But anyways, it finally worked. Copper colored aluminum? It was aluminum, just tinted copper, or it had like a, a small, I guess, layer on top that was just colored copper. So it was actually aluminum. So of course the patina wouldn't work on it. Hmm. Yeah, it's either like a um, electroplated uh, because of cost or a um, copper tinted lacquer. But yeah, aluminum being, you know, a little bit cheaper than uh, than copper. Definitely. So the yeah, I had to I, this you know again nothing to do with woodworking, but through my day job I had to work on a house that was probably like a good four or five million dollar house, and they had a slate roof, and uh, I think they were saying like the slate roof costs like four or five hundred thousand dollars, but they had. Uh, copper gutters copper eaves the valleys everything peaks you know was all copper and like solid copper and i just thought that was amazing i wish i could have gone back to the house and seen it like four or five years later because you know that you know obviously the patina that copper gives off but well it's really cool but depending on what chemical you use uh and like uh if you use salt it, it, it you can get a blue you can get a green you can get a brown you can use heat and that gives off different colors a red and orange anyway so it's real interesting how many choices you have on the patina but yeah it was it was nerve-wracking because i nothing was working for me up, up front and i didn't realize why yeah and then speaking of like um you said with the heat um, I'll give a couple shout outs. Sean Rubino got heavy into different patina finishes and tried a different, uh, a few different methods. Uh, I'll try and leave a link uh, for him as well. But then, uh, Chris from click spring, I don't know if you guys are familiar with metal bluing at all, Oh yeah. but that, that, that guy has almost mastered that, that is crazy. 
it's like a blue chrome and I, anytime I've ever tried to blue anything, um, it just, it wasn't as even of a finish as Chris could get it, but, um, definitely check his channel out. I'll have a link in the article for that. Click spring channel on YouTube. That guy's man, not only is like the level of detail in the, the clock that he's making and, and, and all his hand tools and such that he makes, um, but his production is just top, absolute top notch. It's just absolutely great content. I've never heard of him. He makes clocks, you say? Yeah, he's making He's a Well, he's a he's a home machinist. He has a YouTube channel called Clickspring. Okay. And uh anything, I mean, he this this clock that he's making um it's an ongoing, you know, it's an episodic type, you know, it, I don't know, 20, 30 videos on it. But he makes all the tooling. Um yeah, it's just crazy. Even if you're not a machinist or that's not necessarily your your major draw, it's total killer channel to watch it's like um you know was it discovery channel or something has like modern marvels or something like that just Mm -hmm. or like uh largest factories or something like that it's like that same style of interest to me you know and it's Mm -hmm. cool because it's just it's not some big company with a huge budget it's just some dude you know it's awesome and it's very uh, the way he says it uh, the way he describes his videos pretty much anyone like that's just getting into machining could probably figure it out and I know that's I, I haven't had a, a mill or a you know metal lathe in a long long time, but uh, definitely on my list because just to be able to fabricate small metal parts and even incorporate those into woodworking projects or you know repair things around the shop that would be nice. I was going to segue when we were talking about Kevin Miller and we were talking about community and everything, and I just wanted to to note you know obviously from the Atlanta show which wasn't too long ago, but this community rocks whether it's in person at a, at a woodworking show or online and i know you guys will have stuff to add to this but uh um i'm trying to i'm trying to not forget any names but like i said yeah kevin miller in atlanta that was that was awesome i'll get an occasional email you know just kind of encouraging me on my channel all the people that comment all that stuff um what was it uh andrew latham sent me a, a like a 170 dollar bolt assortment thing and um, it's just crazy. It just, you know, whether it's com and I'm not saying, you know, gifts, that's the only thing, but you know, the community just, it's a big world, but yet this community makes it seem palatable that, uh, you know, we're in our own little niche, you know, corner of the internet and just too many people to name, but just, it's crazy. I just love this community. Well, and I think, I don't think it's this way in other niches on YouTube. Like, I'm really curious about like the beauty or the prank or you know how there's surely there's other communities out there or probably not is what I'm saying. Like I doubt that even, even down to how much us YouTubers on the back end communicate with each other and how like we're actual friends in the internet world, you know? Um, I, I wonder if like the beauty channels communicate with each other in the same way that we do and therefore like, uh, do meet and greets to where there's more than one of them or, you know, understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I actually I actually doubt it because woodworkers by nature, you know, internet aside, woodworkers by nature are typically sharing individuals when it comes to techniques or tools, uh knowledge, I mean anything. It's, you know, you ask a woodworker to talk about his table saw or his lathe and, you know, you pretty much open the floodgates to an hour long yeah. let's talk shop, you know. So Go grab a cup of coffee. Yeah, exactly. And I I mean, I'm sure there's other niches out there that have um, similar, but I don't think nearly as good as the woodworking community. Yeah, it's just absolutely crazy how. And and I was gonna you know talk about this in one of my upcoming uh, talkie talkies, but about how um, going to shows, whether it's internet or not, you know if you can't even make a woodworking show. My wife and I went to an RV show um, a few months back, and just the amount of uh, knowledge that I could pick up from seeing how different RVs are built in like the tiny spaces, mm-hmm. the woodworking and cabinetry and flooring and mechanisms and uh, pop-outs or bump-outs, whatever they call them in RVs. I, there's a ton of woodworking information at an RV show, which is which was pretty cool. So what are you doing at an RV show? Are you planning on I'm touring, not, the, no. touring the country? No, no. I uh, We went to an RV show and a home and garden show pretty much all about a week apart, but no, we're, we're not buying an RV. I think the wife would like to buy one of those pop-up campers because we go camping a few times a year, and uh, she's kind of getting tired of tent camping, which I don't I don't so much mind it. I mean, 
you know, you know, camping used to be like the high. Growing up, camping was like the highlight of the summer. You know, going camping with my dad and, and the family and whatnot. And it's just, oh, I loved it so much because I grew up in the city. And then you know, I moved down here, and I'm I'm pretty much in the middle of the sticks as it is. And then uh, my wife is in the military, so every now and then she's got to go out and you know sleep out in the field or whatever. So she has absolutely no desire <laughs> one bit to go camping. She says she's done it enough with the military, and and we kind of live in the woods as it is. So her bed is where she wants to sleep at night, and it's just like, man, I want to go camping. So I tent camping is completely out of the question because of that. But uh, as far as those you know like pop up campers, I wanted so bad, and I still do. I want to build a teardrop pull behind trailer camper whatever you want to call it teardrop trailer and i think that would just be not only a just a just a freaking awesome project but i think it would be so cool to you know you go and visit family for a, a long weekend or whatever just pull your own little camper instead of taking over a bedroom in their house you got a little bit of privacy and it's kind of like definitely camping. yeah definitely yeah cody and i are big into camping and this this year we're going to try something different because typically we we do the tent thing with the blow up mattress but um, he recent, recently went camping while I was, I think, in Atlanta. I was somewhere. And he just took a hammock. And he was like, dude, it was the best thing. And so this season, we're going to try to just take hammocks and not mess with the tent and air mattress. Because not only does it take up a bunch of room, but just sleeping outside and having the breeze on you feels a lot better anyways. So I'm going to look into some sort of like netting to throw over a hammock just to keep the bugs off. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask whether you guys had mosquitoes or oh, not. Oh, yeah. The mosquitoes are bad. So... Oh, okay. I'll, I'll either sleep uh, uh, with bug spray on, but I'm, I'm going to look in to see if there is some sort of like netting. Small birds. Those are mosquitoes around here. But um, <laughs> but yeah, speaking of, of, of hammock and sleeping outside and camping and all that, there's a YouTube channel called Sailing and Such. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forget the guy's name off the top of my head, but he made some woodworking projects a couple years ago. But I think he's trying to get focusing more on just canoeing and or kayaking, I should say, and just having fun. But um, <clears throat> he's just a normal guy, um, married with kids, I believe. And every now and then he'll take a weekend trip by himself. And is is his one of his parents will drop him off like 30 miles upstream, and he'll take like the entire weekend kayaking down. And then setting up camp with his, uh, he sleeps with a hammock and then another tarp system over the hammock. And uh, his last little trip, he caught an armadillo right around his little campsite. And, uh, it's he just, caught him? Well, yeah. Armadillos just, uh, you, can, you can walk right up behind him and grab your tail. Well, that's good. Well, but they, they're a carrier of leprosy, so you don't ever want to do that. Well, there you go. Good to know that. Leprosy? Yeah. We have armadillos Uh-oh. everywhere, but, and they're easy to catch because like what, what he said, I mean, they're, they're pretty much blind. But they, uh, yeah, they're a carrier of leprosy, so I don't recommend touching them ever. I've, well, even if I've they never weren't, heard that. even if they weren't, I don't think I'd ever touch one. <laughs> <laughs> well, just a kind of a fun fact, since we're talking about leprosy, uh, leprosy is not something that everybody can catch. You either have uh, the gene to where you're susceptible to it or not. So, you know, you know, there's another thing that not everyone can catch, and for me, it's a football. <laughs> <laughs> you can't catch a football. You don't have any good depth perception, or what? No, I, I football's all right. Baseball was always my, my uh, yeah. I was never any good at it, which is weird because my entire family played baseball and, and I was the black sheep. So. <laughs> I always played a lot of sports growing up, but I can't throw a football anymore. I tore my rotator cuff in my right shoulder, which is my I'm right-handed, so I can't throw overhand at all. Hmm. But That's crazy. Anyway, yeah, getting getting back somewhat on track. Here. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I just, yeah, that's all I wanted to say about the community is awesome. I, that's one thing I didn't know going into this, you know, trying to make a couple videos thing was the amazing, amazing community, whether it's online or in real life. And like I said, I'm, I'm trying to stress too, like go in your community, your local geographic community, and whether it's an RV show or a home and garden show or a woodworking club or a you know, small woodworking show, I definitely encourage it. I, uh, this I'm hoping to turn this into a video at some point, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, woodworking show I went to locally. A guy was uh, carving uh, golf balls, and he was carving faces into golf balls. He was sitting next to another wood carver, and I just thought that was amazing. In fact, I, uh, I, I ended up buying one from him, but I'm hoping to contact him and hopefully can do a video visiting him in his shop about you know how he carves golf balls. Like an actual golf actual golf ball an actual golf ball yeah and and 
and I'll I'll try and remember to put a picture in the article in case you guys want to see it. But uh, it was kind of hush hush under wraps because I've never heard of anyone doing this, and I wanted to do a video on him doing it. But also, when we were in Atlanta, uh, we went to visit the world of Coke, and I figured if I can get a hold of this guy, I bought a couple Coca Cola golf balls, and it'd be so cool if I could get him on video carving out a Coke bottle out of a Coke golf ball. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Well- yeah. Oddly enough, he said it's a real easy medium to carve because there's no grain, there's no knots, you know, it's all consistent solid rubber, you know, in, inside. I'm, I don't know if all golf balls are created equal, but uh, the ones he was, you know, doing, it was, you know, you take off the shell and there was just kind of a solid rubber core. Also, oh, he carves the core. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's get into some questions really quick. Jason Parker asks, I currently use my router to do simple easing of edges and light decorative edging. However, I have a project which requires a much larger bit. Can you discuss router horsepower versus bit diameter versus cutting speed in relation to material height? Specifically, material thicker uh, material thicker stock, one and three quarters of an inch, but less than three inch thickness for locking miters and also raised panels, both horizontal and vertical orientations. Uh, well, just off the top of my head, uh, bit diameter versus cutting speed. A general rule of thumb is the smaller the diameter, the more you can get away with going faster. The larger the diameter, the more you should slow it down. Um, and that also being said, like all of my routers that have variable speed, I never run them wide open. Uh, my little Bosch Colt, regardless of what I do with it, I feel like I get the best results using it at about half speed. And then um, when I'm mortising, I'm using a half inch. Uh, spiral upcut bit in my plunge router and I found it to be the most effective at clearing chips or cutting actual chips um, and not just burning at the slowest speed so um, I've never used I don't like to use the router exactly wide uh, just wide open and also the router horsepower obviously the, the larger the motor the more torque you're going to have at a lower speed yeah, I and routers will vary as well. So that's another thing. If you buy a real cheap router, it, the RPMs might not be say what a Porter cable is because I, I know some Porter cable routers. Uh, man, I think they're like twenty, twenty three or twenty four thousand RPM, which is which is really cooking. I mean that's that's some that's some heavy spinach if that's a word. But uh, I know I agree with Jay on that. You know the bigger the bit, you want to slow it down. I was always taught like I think it's like what two two and a half. Like if you're doing a raised panel. Uh, bit you want to be at like about half the speed of something like uh, I don't know like a quarter inch round over so you know quite a quite a bit slower and also never uh, especially with larger bits remove well, I'm not gonna say never but with larger larger bits take it on multiple passes you don't have to go you know the entire cut in once in one quick swoop that's a good tip when I when I was first starting off making my own trim I didn't realize that I was just thinking it was supposed to be done in one pass. And then somebody left me a comment saying you should make two or three passes. And I was like, Oh, okay, thanks. That's a really useful tip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't going back into horsepower, you can't always do it in multiple passes. Like I think he had mentioned, I think part of the question was like miter lock bits and stuff like that. You're, you're pretty much set to a, a set depth and a set fence position with a lot of those bits. But, um, you know, yeah, it's, and then the horsepower, you know, obviously the, the bigger the horsepower, you're going to get into like the half-inch shank bits, which I always prefer, but most of my bits at this point are quarter-inch, just because that's what I've had over the years. But uh, if, if you can afford it, I would say go with like a, a big porter cable, like a one-and-three-quarter horse. Or uh, a Triton. Think, yeah, or a Triton, <laughs> you know. I mean, besides <laughs> me being sponsored by them, they are known for uh, having the best routers, so... And yeah. they have a the the lift built into it, so they are convenient, and they have three different sizes. All right, my pitch is done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was just gonna say too, if if you can get into it, get a get a half inch uh, shank and a half inch collet router, just because you'd be surprised, uh, especially in some of the higher speeds, how much less vibration there is in a half inch shank bit than there is on a quarter inch shank. And I I don't know if there's any difference in heat dissipation, but I, I would imagine there would be as well. Yeah, I just started buying half-inch shanks over the quarter inches. Yeah. It's it's almost like looking at, when you look at the difference between them, it's almost like the quarter inch is like a little kid's toy. And, you know, once the half-inch shank, you're almost getting almost getting to the size of like a shaper bit, which I guess that would be a conversation for a different day. But 
Um, Jay, did you say in his question, did he have something to do with uh, whether raised panels, vertical or horizontal? Uh, vertical and horizontal orientations. Um, I'm guessing. I'm guessing that's uh, he's asking about um, end grain versus long grain cutting. Maybe. No, I, th- I think he's talking about raised panel bits. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, how does that end grain versus edge grain? I don't know. Cut the end grain first is what I've always done. I, I, I'm, maybe I'm misunderstanding the question, but if this isn't part of the question, it's always recommended to cut both of your end grain passes first and then work on your long grain. That way, uh, end grain is more prone to tear out. So if you do have a little bit of tear out in the end of your of your end grain pass, generally speaking, it will be cleaned up when you do your long grain cuts. Yeah. I think I think what he's getting at though is like they they have like a horizontal like a wide diameter raised panel bit and then they also have the vertical ones and um, I, in case this is what he's asking if your router table your insert your lift or whatever can accommodate the larger like two and a half two you know up maybe three inch diameter raised panel bits I prefer the horizontal one just because you have more surface on the uh, router table top itself. And it's just a, a more ergonomic way, in my opinion, than having to lift a large panel up on end and use a vertical one. Because you'll, you'll want an auxiliary fence on the router table if you're using one of those vertical ones so you're not tilting the, the panel. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know if, that was, if that's what he was asking or not. Maybe so. I've actually never used the raised panel router bit set. Neither have I. That's definitely one you want to take in multiple passes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Unless your goal is to try and fling the wood across the shop, which otherwise go go for it. <laughs> What's the next question? Let's see. It's from Jason Browder. Am I pronouncing that right? Jason Browder. Browder. I'm a beginner woodworker, and I'm going to build an L-shaped computer desk. So one side will be for my computer and the other side for the kid's computer. I would like to know what woods I could use for the top of the desk. With two 11-year-old boys, it needs to be somewhat tough. Any suggestions are appreciated. Also, I live south of April, so if she has any suggestions on where to go buy some good wood, I would appreciate that as well. Well, I guess as far as the wood goes, uh, we do have some local uh, hardwood dealers or lumber yards. Uh, I typically go to Barney Robinson, um, but there is another one that I've never been to called Sweeney's. And then there's, oh, there's another one called Teague, Teague Lumber. It's a little bit smaller, um, so if you want a, a larger selection, then I would recommend Barney's. And then if you're looking for... Uh, plywood mixed in with hardwood. There's the plywood company of Fort Worth and they sell pretty much any plywood that you can think of. And they also have a a mix of hardwoods in there, just not as big of a selection as Barney's. I was going to say, if if you're talking about, you know, durability for a a desktop, definitely go with, you know, obviously the harder woods, um, even like a, like a hard maple would be a, a gorgeous top, but, uh, uh, also keep in mind if I think he said his like 11 year old son is going to be using half of it. Keep in mind your finish because especially, you know, the younger people, they, they don't necessarily realize when they set down like a soda or, you know, any type of drink condensation ring. So you might want to think like a film finish versus an oil finish, either that, or just make sure to be diligent to have like coasters and stuff. Cause you'd hate to have a, uh, you know, anyone wreck the top. You know what I wish there was, uh, is a video uh, straight to the point, comprehensive on finishes. Finishes is something I know very little of, and it's so frustrating for me. Like, I wish somebody would walk through, these are the times that you would want to pick shellac. These are the times that you would want to pick a lacquer. These are the times that you would pick this, a, a polish, or you know what I mean? Because it's so over my head. I, I have to I have to message Jay and say, hey, I'm doing <laughs> something indoor that's not going to be touched. It's just decorative. What, what finish do I use? So I wish somebody would put together a video just very quickly going over all the different finishes and the good uses for them. And there's, there's so many different options. There's, there's so many different, um, different options. And technically speaking, you know, if it, a lot of it has to do with, with durability, any finish is good for any application as long as you take care of it properly, pretty much. Well, to, to a certain extent, you know, but as far as this question, getting back to it really quick, what type of woods would I would use for the top of the desk? Any wood. I would, I would suggest any wood that doesn't have any major defects, like big old knots sticking out of it or cracks or anything like that. I've used pine on tabletops, uh, blanket chest tops, uh, with good results. My, my current 
entertainment center or entertainment console, I guess you could say, which is another project that my wife wants me to knock off her honey-do list, um, is an old blanket chest that I made several years ago. It's a, it's a 100% pine blanket chest, and the top is one of those softwood pine project panels from Lowe's, and I've got a couple coats of polyurethane on it, and it's a nice durable top. I would not, I would not uh, hesitate using it for a counter desk or a countertop for a desk. Man, I got tongue-tied for a second. Um, well, and another thing that you made me think of, too, um, yeah, I agree, any any wood, obviously the harder the wood, the more durable, but uh, also the type of furniture that you're wanting to build, because I guess you could go with the rustic you know, portion. You could do, like, uh, reclaimed barn beams, or, you know, um, and that way, you know, there might be nail holes or bug holes, and, and so that way, if you ding or dent the wood essentially that's just part of the character of the piece depends if you're going for like a a queen anne style or a uh, palette project or anywhere in between i suppose also just for you know pure durability for 11 year old boys you can make uh, i've seen a lot of really nice solid wood um bases for projects like a solid wood uh cabinet system and then use like a laminated top with like uh like formica on the top of it you know, something like that. Yeah, and that's actually pretty easy to apply because then you can go with pretty cheap material underneath it and then put on whatever surface you want it to look like. Use contact cement, press it down, let it dry, and then use a flush trim bit to uh, make all the edges flush. Yeah, not a bad idea to make it modular. I mean, if, if the guy's building it from scratch, kind of like what you guys were alluding to, maybe build some nice cabinets underneath, but the top to be somewhat serviceable and for the time being do formica and you know once the the child gets a little bit older and you realize he's not going to damage it then then go for whatever top that you you wanted i guess that's another option yeah i i think i mentioned it in one of my vlog videos previously but one of the upcoming projects within the next couple months i do want to make a new computer desk for my office here it's the only room in the house that stays absolutely trashed my office does because i just don't have an organization system so I want to make a stand-up uh, computer desk, but I want to give myself the option to sit down so I'll get like a rolling drafting stool, something like that. But I want to make a stand-up modular uh, computer desk. It will be L-shaped, but I want to make it out of a bunch of different size rectangles. I want each individual um, section to be able to be slid together to make it look like one flowing unit. But I want each individual section to be... Um, to have a convenient cut list so you can pick and choose which ones are right for your application and use it. So if I'm using plywood, I don't know what I'll use, but if I'm using plywood, I would, I would prefer each one of the sections to either be a full sheet or an increment of a half a sheet so you can mix and match and stuff like that. But that's definitely on my radar coming up as well. Speaking of uh, desks, I don't have an office per se. Um, and since I started this whole YouTube thing, I've been um, amassing more and more essentially electronic junk and my wife is even talking about uh, getting our boys who, who sleep in separate rooms right now um, to essentially build a bunk bed and then I'll take the other room as an office but the desk that I had come up with that I that I want to build in the next maybe five or six months is Baltic birch and it's, it's ripped down to about three inches in width and then edge glued just like a butcher block and I just think Baltic birch for a top with seeing all the laminations, I think would be a killer, killer top. And then probably just some tubular welded steel legs. Nice. Get that industrial look going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that's totally my, my thing is that industrial, almost cold type, you know, feel to things. Jay, I think your idea of, of having it modeled where you can interchange things and either put it together to form one unit or tear it apart and form individual units it would also be good for a shop application in some yeah. cases you know yeah. probably not our individual shops but just for somebody it's a it's a good idea to either use in a home or or a shop yeah that's that's one thing that's been on my wife's honey-do list for me for a long time but also something that i want to get done because like i said i just don't have any organization in here and it just it, it's always trashed and i'm not good at uh i'm not good at picking up when there's no good spot for everything so it just gets piles of stuff now my shop on the other hand has got nice organization so it stays nice and clean my wife's like well why can't you make your your office look like your shop and I'm like, well there's just no organization solution here yet anyway mm -hmm. i'm way more uh, motivated to clean my shop i i love cleaning my shop but when it comes to the home i'm like no 
I don't want to clean that. <laughs> I'm not motivated in the least. I'll do it just because I want a nice looking home. But I'm I love cleaning my shop, and it just doesn't it doesn't transition over into the home. We should almost bring that up in an. We're getting kind of close here on time, but bring that up in another podcast as far as like home offices and uh, the different types of furnishings that go along with that. Because I think there's an evolution process too, like. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, most people had a printer, an inkjet printer, but mm-hmm. now with everything being so much online and online banking, I, I know probably less and less people even need uh, room to, you know, have like a printer stand or anything like that. Definitely. So what you're saying is you guys don't have those CRT monitors anymore? <laughs> Wait, Nick, you don't have a fax machine? <laughs> hey, uh, so two points on that. One is I have a, a wet bar in my like uh, living room area that I plan on turning into a desk area. So we should definitely make that a topic. But then the second, I was listening to an old country song, and it, one of the one of the lyrics is "Send me a fax," and I thought oh, <laughs> that dates that dates the song right there. <laughs> Send you a fax. We had a couple comments of people asking to put the podcast on Google Play, uh, the Google Play music streaming service, and we signed up for it a long time ago, and it's just now starting to roll out. So it's always been in the queue, I guess you could say. It's been waiting to uh, roll out. It's They are starting to roll out on certain devices, and uh, I'll have a website link for that. Also, a couple of things in the community news. I still have a giveaway going on my website for a jack plane. I've mentioned it previously. If you're interested in it, there's a sidebar button on my website. You can check that out. But April, what have you got going on for giveaway? Uh, I have an aux box. Nope, I'm sorry. I have a coffee box, aux machine. It's a uh, industrial... That's a tongue twister. Yeah, it is. And actually, I think the company is aux and the machine is called coffee box. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a coffee maker made for the shop environment, construction, on-site, camping, hunting, and um, it's waterproof and it's a pretty cool little machine. Anyways, they sent me two, one for me and one to give away. So I'm running a giveaway. All you have to do is take a photo of your shop, which could be your yard or your truck, or if you have a garage, just wherever you do your projects at, uh, post it on Instagram or Facebook using the hashtag ox and the shop. And I'll enter your name into a random drawing and pick somebody May 1st. I'll be announcing the winner on my Facebook and my Instagram account. Awesome. And we'll have links to and, and details for all these as well. Um, but that's all we've got for you guys this week. Uh, again, we want to thank those who have contributed. There is a contribution button on our website, and that really does help keep this uh, keep this ball rolling. So thank you very much for all of those uh, contributions. And also all the kind words that we receive um, kind of behind the scenes. It's just, it's just really, really awesome. So thank you for that. Um, but there's, there's a couple different ways you can stay up to date with the podcast and get notified of any new content. You can go to our website, thewoodworkingpodcast.com. And also from there, um, there's links to all of our individual stuff. So uh, you'll find all of our websites and, and social media links and such. Uh, but at the top of the woodworkingpodcast.com, you'll find three clickable buttons to subscribe on Android via RSS or on iTunes. And if you are an iTunes user, uh, go ahead and leave us a review if you'd like. We very much appreciate that. And as always, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. See you guys later.